Good Tuesday morning, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com podcast presented by Blue Water Climate Control. Glad to have you along with us on this Tuesday. Hope everyone is doing well and your work week's got, work week has gotten started off to a great start. Be sure to check out Blue Water Climate Control at BlueWaterClimateControl.com or you can check them out on Twitter at BlueH2O underscore climate. Plenty to get to in this podcast. We will catch up with the publisher of UGASports.com, Roddy um, will join us in just a little bit. They do a great job on that site. So he will join us in a bit to talk about uh, the pod, talk about this matchup between Tennessee and Georgia, which is on the minds of everyone. Guys, Tennessee was dominant on Saturday, but uh, I don't know that I've ever seen a win get put behind the fans or the fans put a win behind them faster than this win because it is all about Tennessee and Georgia. It's almost like you know, they got Missouri out of the way and move on. There's not a whole lot of talk about how well Tennessee played or didn't play in this game. It's all about the matchup with the dogs. Let's talk a little bit about Missouri before we move on to Georgia. Um, after a couple of days removed from it, hearing Jeremy Pruitt on Monday, what is your kind of final takeaway from Tennessee's win over Missouri? Any thoughts change? Because Pruitt was not exactly glowing in his review of his team's win in, in, in some areas, Austin. Well, I think more than anything, he – he wasn't going to point out the positives and wanted to draw on the negatives. In other words, yeah, okay, we you know had no negative yardage runs, but on these twelve run plays, I look up and three of you aren't finishing a block. You know, um, you know you're not tackling well enough on defense. You're you're not able to get to the quarterback on defense. Uh, you know, I, I think he wants to drive home the point of. Yeah, we won that game rather handily, but it's not good enough. And it's not going to be good enough Saturday to, you know, play that way at Georgia. You're going to have to be better than that. And that's what he's wanting this team to strive for. Rob? Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree with AP. I mean, I think he was, you know, sending a message that, you know, beating Missouri is not, not what we're here to do. We're here to, you know, compete in games like the one that's coming up this Saturday. And – you know, I don't. I would imagine he was probably happier with his team's performance than he let on in the press conference. But I, I completely agree with AP that it's he knows what the standard is going to be to compete with Alabama, with Georgia, and you know it's going to be about playing really clean football. And, and I think he was hammering that home to his team. Well, make no mistake, Jer- Jeremy Pruitt wants this one really bad. Okay. He- he th- th- that marriage with him and Georgia's the DC was a disaster. You go back and Aaron Murray made his comments a few years ago at SEC Media Days. Jeremy's going to say all the right things publicly, but behind the scenes, this one's one he wants more than anything else. If if, if you said, "Hey, you're going to beat Georgia, but you're going to lose to Kentucky and you're going to lose to Arkansas," I think Jeremy would say, "Done. Give it to me now." I will take those two losses and I will run because I want the dogs that bad. I just think that's internally that's a, a one that he wants more than any other one on the schedule. Austin, do you think that that's because of the, you know, everything from his time at Georgia? Do you think it's because of the relationship with Kirby Smart? Do you think it's because everything. of recruiting? You just everything. think it's everything. Everything. I, You know, I think that there's, you know, Probably, uh, you know, the comparisons between he and Kirby, um, you know, are something that he wants to shake. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, the people at Georgia didn't treat him very well when all he did was want to push them to be better and not settle for, you know, being a, a sleeping giant. He wanted them to be the giant. 
you know, um, you know, I think, you know, we sat in his office a couple of years ago and he's pretty, you know, forthcoming that, you know, he thinks George is just such a, a loaded job because you have the talent base right there in your home state that you don't have to go anywhere to go get. Plus you can continue to recruit nationally. So, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, this is a job or, you know, or a, a game that he really wants um, really, really bad because, you know, he, he did not like those the way, the way it all went down down in, down in Athens. And from a big picture program sense, I mean, Alabama is always going to be a huge rivalry. But if you're ever going to play Alabama in Atlanta for all the marbles, you've got to you've got to own this rivalry. And you know, Tennessee is has not been there in several years. Yeah, certainly. And the last two years, I mean, they've been manhandled in the second half. The last two years of this game, I know two years ago they they got it to I think twenty four to twelve you know, with a chance to get a stop and make it interesting. And I think Georgia went seven minutes with the football and 13 plays and just kind of ran it down. Well, they did. They just crammed it down Tennessee's throat and kind of made it like them, made them like it in the run game to put that game away. So uh, I do, I agree with you from the standpoint of Rob, that this is, this is a benchmark, you know, opportunity benchmark game. Um, I, I wrote it last week. I still believe it. You have to beat the people you're supposed to beat before you can, you know, get focused on knocking off the big boys. You've got to take yeah. care of you got to take care of that. And Tennessee started to do that. They did that at the end of last year. They've done that to start this year. Now week three comes this game. That's, that's certainly centered up on uh, the opportunity for Tennessee against the Georgia team that I don't think is settled on offense, but I think it's really good on defense. Well, the other thing we got to think about too, is, you know, there's the potential for weather Saturday. So, you know, how all that plays out with an inexperienced quarterback who's not the biggest guy in the world. So I, I would question, you know, how big are his hands? You get a wet ball drill going with a quarterback with small hands, you know, that could be a potential disaster for Georgia. Um, you know, but, you know, I think both teams are pretty good at the line of scrimmage, especially on offense. So I think it would, you know, come down to a, you know, who can stop the other team's running game in that type of game. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think Tennessee's offensive line, which everyone is is obviously trying to dub, you know, whatever nickname, monikers they want to put on them, is Tennessee's strength of this team. And I think they would be – I think they're going against Georgia's strength. I think Georgia's strength is defensively, um, really all over the board defensively, Rob, when you look at them. But I think they're seasoned up front uh, in the defensive front. They've got playmakers at linebacker. Their safeties are aggressive guys. They're going to load up to stop the run. I mean, I, I mean, you talk about running against bad boxes, particularly if it's wet on Saturday. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be tough sledding in there. You know, big test for for this Tennessee offensive line, which is you know getting plenty of praise. Um, but but I think that's the matchup: is can Tennessee's offensive line win against Georgia's defensive line, and vice versa? I think that's the biggest matchup for both these teams. Well, I, I don't disagree at all. I think George will put this game on on Jared's shoulders. They'll have they'll have confidence to put their guys on islands out on the perimeter. You know, there's going to be opportunities to make plays. I think outside, and you know, Jared's going to have to be on target, and somebody's going to have to go up and, and get one. But you can't depend on that. I mean, you're going to have to. And this is something Tennessee has really struggled with. You know, against the Georgias, against the Alabamas, you can't be in third and eight all day. You know, you're gonna if you're going to work some play action, you're going to have to be, you know, second and five, third and two. You can't put, you can't put JG in, you know, 15, third and sevens or more all day. I think, I think that's going to be key, staying on schedule. 
Yeah, I think that's a good point. You got to win first down. I wonder too, Austin, can Tennessee's wide receiving unit be physical enough to beat really strong press coverage on the outside? I I, I don't think we're going to know. I, they weren't that great at it Saturday. Um, you know, I, I'm going to go with you know they'll have to kind of prove it to us. You know, and and I don't think you'll know till Saturday. You know, how much more run does Jalen Hyatt get just to stretch the field? Just just to, just to you know, use his speed to stretch the field a little bit. You take a couple of deep shots, even if you don't connect on them, it makes Georgia be honest a little bit more. Um, you know, and then, you know, how, how do they get creative with, with tight ends? How much more of the jumbo do we see? Um, you know, and then the biggest thing to me is just field position. Every time Tennessee's been in an Alabama – or Florida or Georgia game the last few years under Jeremy before this current eight-game win streak, they've shot themselves in the foot with silly turnovers, silly penalties, and they've fallen behind and not been able to make up ground. Tennessee can ill afford to fall behind Saturday. They've got to come out and win field position and win the first half. I don't mean win it on the scoreboard. You could be down three. That's winning the first half, in my opinion, You've got to find your way into the game in the second half. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that Rob, when you go look at what Georgia did to Auburn, I think that's the that's think that's the thing that happened with Auburn. That game got away from them before it ever got started. Yeah, and they uh, never they never committed to run. They just well, kept throwing it. Yeah, well, because I mean, obviously, they didn't think they could run the football at all. And, and yeah, I, I think their O line is suspect. And I mean, yeah. I think Georgia's really good. I'm not trying to say that's the reason they could run, but I. I Think you know going back to doing the previews before the season, they had some big question marks up front. Yeah, I don't think Kirby Smart's comment on Monday about how Tennessee's better—he thinks Tennessee's better than Auburn. I, I don't think that's just coach speak. When you look at the line of scrimmages, now I'm not saying that means that's an automatic win for Tennessee later in the year when they play Auburn, but I'm saying when you look at what I think Kirby Smart was talking about on Monday in this matchup, that this offensive line. Uh, this line of scrimmage that George is going to play Saturday um, opponent is is better than the first two opponents that they've played. Um, I mean, it's it's they're better. You know, Tennessee's better in the line of scrimmage than Arkansas, and I think they're better in the line of scrimmage than Auburn. So uh, that, that's what makes this uh, to me an intriguing matchup, and and we'll see exactly where where Tennessee is at. If you're Jeremy Pruitt, I mean, you're obviously worried about it. Um, but how worried, Rob, should they be about where Brett Samigle is at one and three? You know, it's hard for me to say. If that's, is that just an anomaly? I mean, you're talking about a guy who had one of the best seasons for a kicker in program history just last year. I mean, he's 23 to 27. He had a couple of makes from outside 50. But then again, you know, kickers are like, you know, golfers on the putting green. Sometimes, you know, it gets it, it gets snowballed and, and it goes – goes bad which is why that first kick saturday and because i'm sure the kid will end up attempting a field goal at some point saturday which is why that next kick is so big because yeah. if he knocks it down the kid doesn't does not lack for confidence he's a very confident kid but rob hits the nail on the head it becomes mental at some point and go back and look at the start of the titan season there's no way the statistically the most accurate kicker in NFL history does what he did that night, but then somehow got the ship right in the right direction and has been golden ever since. Yeah. I mean, he's 
been he's been so good for so long. I think that it's this he's just had a fluky start to the season, but still, I mean, it's something that you didn't think you were gonna have to worry about. And now we're you know, we're talking about it here in Georgia game week. Yeah, I mean, I think if he if he doesn't make the first one, then if you're Jeremy Pruitt, you got a lot of pause about what your range is with him and where your confidence level is with him. Um, you know, later on in the game, if you're if you're gonna need a critical kick. I, I think special teams well, the whole the whole week is going to be talked about, you know, the line of scrimmage. And it is, that's, I mean, that's the key to this game, I think, is the line of scrimmage. I do think special teams could play a key part in this. Georgia's pretty good in the return game. Uh, they, they've shown some flashes through two weeks of being pretty effective in the return game. I, I think Tennessee's coverage teams are going to be challenged. I think that's a big part of this game as well. I mean, Paxton Brooks needs to hit it well, you know, in terms of kickoffs and, and not give opportunities there because Georgia – has been good at flipping field and giving themselves some great starting position. They were good against Auburn in the return game. They made a couple of plays against Arkansas in the return game as well. That, yeah, they got that. They got that opening play. kick the other night. Went right down basically the midfield, and that gave them great field position. Hubs. Yeah, t- t- the George, Tennessee's going to have to be good in coverage uh, in, in this game for sure. All right, we're going to talk more about Georgia throughout the week in terms of the matchup and everything else. I do want to ask this qu- couple quick questions here, uh, just kind of random things. Um, Austin, how big is this game for recruiting? Is it is it overblown in the minds of some fans that the game hinges on on getting guys, not just for this class, but maybe the establishment for twenty two players in twenty two or twenty three? You think it's a big deal? It, it, it's no? a big deal that you don't. It's a big deal that you show progress. Like to me, you don't have to win the game to get Marius Mims, but you can't lose by twenty one points and 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 think that's going to help you. I mean, like, I, I, and and I get what fans are saying. We can't have, you know, close losses aren't a win anymore. I agree with that. But in recruiting, if you have a close loss, it does not destroy you like if you get run out of the gym or run off the field in this instance. So, you know, I think it's a lot about how Tennessee looks Saturday. Interesting. Rob, on the uh, hoops recruiting front, where do you think they are with, with Jabari Smith? I mean, I think it's Tennessee or Georgia. I've had people tonight, I've reached out and talked to several different people that cover, you know, both sides of it that are, you know, cover, cover recruiting nationally. The answer is Tennessee or Georgia. Some people lean Tennessee, some people lean Georgia. And to me, I mean, just, I give Tennessee the edge. I may end up looking wrong, wrong on Friday. I mean, he's, Auburn is in the mix too. I wouldn't totally discount them. That's don't, let me throw that caveat in there. But I think, I think when I've met this kid, I've spent some time with him. I think winning is important to him. I mean, I think, yeah, Georgia's pushing the whole Anthony Edwards thing, you know, stay here. Your parents can, you know, drive 45 minutes after work on Wednesday night, come and see you play and be back home and sleep in their own bed. And you can go be a top five pick next year after, you you know, at Tennessee, I mean, he's going to play with Kennedy Chandler, the best point guard in his class. He's been around this kid. He knows how good he is. Tennessee should be bringing back a nice veteran core in by the time he's on campus, I mean, Tennessee should be set up to compete for the SEC championship, make a run. That's just not the case at Georgia. That to me is what that I think Tennessee's going to get good news on Friday, but this is not an AP story written <laughs> wink, wink situation. But if I had to bet, I would write right sitting right here when we record this, I would bet Tennessee. Well, Rob, that is because AP's not made that phone call yet. 
<laughs> well, interesting. It's all about Tennessee and Georgia this week, both on the uh, hardwood and on the football field as well. Um, so uh, tons of talk and, and, and a lot of fun. And uh, it's, it's, you know, from a covering it standpoint, it's nice to be uh, in a game where there's this kind of conversation uh, against a, an opponent where you could talk about the breakdown and say, hey, Tennessee's not taking a, a knife into a gunfight, so to speak, or, uh, you know, they, they, they go into this game with, with talent and a chance to, to win the football game. A little bit, in my opinion, a legitimate chance to win the football game, even though they're a heavy underdog. I think that's I'm surprised by that number. Were you, were you surprised? Um, I mean, I thought it would be 10 to 12. I mean, I'm not stunned. I, well, I think, I think it'll end up being about 10 when it's all said and done. I think it's coming down, um, you know, but I, I wasn't completely surprised because Georgia was so dominant against Auburn, who was projected, but, you know, they were a top 10 team, you know, and, and they weren't, now I don't think Auburn's a top 10 team, but they were listed as a top 10 team going into that game Saturday night. And that was an uncompetitive football game uh, because Auburn, in my opinion, was never in that game from the yeah. opening kick. They were, they were never in it. So uh, I, I think from that standpoint, um, you know, the number didn't completely surprise me, but I do think it's a credit to Jeremy Pruitt and his staff as to how much they have flipped this roster and what they've done with the returning players and their development uh, to get production out of them, that this game is one that's got people excited to watch. And I don't just mean Tennessee fans and Georgia fans. I think there's a lot of people around the country that are going to have their eyes on this game on Saturday, uh, because I think it's, you know, arguably the best matchup in the country uh, between two teams that know each other really well. And it's going to have a lot of intensity. That's for sure. Hey, before we get to an update on the Georgia dogs um, from the Georgia perspective, let me tell you a little bit about our friends at Blue Water Climate Control. Be sure and give them a call if you have any HVAC need. Give them a buzz at 865-299-2290, or you can go to their website, bluewaterclimatecontrol.com. You can book an appointment online. Uh, they're going to send a technician out to see what you need. They're not going to give you a sales pitch on a new unit if you don't need a new unit. If it's a simple repair, they're going to take care of that. If it's a major repair, they're going to break, all, break it all down for you for what you need uh, and, and what works best for your house and your situation. So be sure if you're in the market or have a need uh, for any heating and air uh, work, be sure to check out Jeremy and his staff at Blue Water Climate Control. Back on the Blue Water Climate Control VolQuest.com podcast. Happy to welcome in to the program the publisher, UGASports.com, Roddy Nabolsi. Roddy, this is, thank, first of all, thanks for joining us. Secondly, give me your thoughts on Georgia two games in. Just your overall big picture of, of the Bulldogs two games in. Overall picture of the Bulldogs two games in, great defense, good special teams, a lot of question marks in the offense. Just, I know they look good against Auburn, but still that's a lot of questions. I mean, you have two offensive tackles who went in the first round of the NFL draft. You've lost Cade Mays to Tennessee. You had a uh, uh, – Solomon Kinley, a a junior who is your left guard. He is now the starting guard for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, You lost tight ends. They don't have, they have zero experience in their tight ends. So uh, got good running backs, but again, those guys are inexperienced. So it's just, again, a lot of question marks for the offense, but that's the overall, you know, 30,000 foot view of the Georgia Bulldogs. I, I think, I think both of these offensive lines are interesting because Tennessee obviously had a big day against Missouri, put up a lot of yards, they bring back a lot of experience. Georgia physically was was good against Auburn, and I know Auburn has lost a lot. 
How much confidence does Georgia take from that? Is there is there potential false confidence there? When you look at Auburn, did, did you kind of anticipate Georgia being able to push Auburn around a little bit up front, or did that surprise you? No, I, I expected it. When you have a, a big monster like uh, in Cleveland, you know, pushing guys around, he's not going up against Derek Brown this year. He's not dealing with Marlon Davidson, you know. That uh, Auburn – and Kirby Smart today said, he said uh, ten, you know, Tennessee's better than uh, Auburn. Auburn is not – uh, they did not replace that defensive front with Derek Brown. So, and that's not a shot against Auburn. That's just recruiting reality. You and I live this and breathe it. We know who's recruited well on the defensive fronts and who hasn't. And there aren't a whole lot of Derek Browns out there. So, Jordan was able to push those guys around, and that could give them a very sense of a very false sense of security because they weren't able to do that against Arkansas. It's not like all of a sudden, you know, uh, it's a completely different team. It's the same players now. I do think that maybe putting Warren McClendon out there at right tackle, that helped a lot. But, and uh, they, they, their interior, their defense, uh, offensive line got a lot better. Uh, Trey Hill blocked better. Uh, Justin Schaefer blocked better. Ben Cleveland, he just won the uh, SEC offensive line another week. So they played the play better. But, again, that's uh, the competition. It's not to put Arcan Auburn under Arkansas. It's just to say that, uh, you know, Sam Pittman – when he left Georgia, he knew every one of his offensive linemen, he knew their weaknesses and he attacked accordingly and, you know, more power to him. That's exactly what any coach should have done. So uh, Jeremy Pruitt's going to know this team pretty well and he's going to see some uh, tendencies. I mean, even being Cleveland, one player of the week, right. For the offensive line. Uh, he says, I didn't think I had a good game against Auburn. So maybe there won't be false confidence for him, but uh, you can't read too much into the Auburn game. Cause I just think that uh, Auburn's defense is not, what it was or anywhere close to where it was last year. All right. Let's talk a little bit. Of, I want to get, I'll get to Stetson Bennett in a minute. I want to flip it over yeah. to Georgia's defense. When, when I watched that game Saturday night, cause Tennessee played at noon. So I had a chance to see the start of the game Saturday night and I rewatched it um, again on Sunday, Georgia's intensity on defense, physicality on defense, athleticism on defense. I thought completely overwhelmed Auburn. Is that the Georgia defense that everyone – I mean, I knew they were bringing a lot of people back. I guess what I'm saying is the benchmark they showed Saturday night, is that the identity you anticipated out of them, and how good is this defense? It, that is exactly what we expect to see. And, you know, I'm not trying to be a homer here, but I've been covering Georgia since 1993. Uh, seen a lot of games, seen a lot of defenses, seen a ton of guys they put into the NFL. But top to bottom, I don't think I've seen a defense this deep you know they've had uh you know a Geno Atkins you know they've had a Roquan Smith they've had you know Jarvis Jones but I've never seen it when you could lose a Richard LeCount to a targeted call late in the second quarter and then bring in a Chris Smith a converted cornerback to play safety and he plays lights out you know they have Lewis seen at safety you know the outside linebacker core the guys that are second third on that depth chart will start anywhere else and not trying to be again not I'm just calling it like it is because right they finished number one in rushing defense last year. They finished number one in scoring defense last year. They lost a few players. Uh, but, again, the players they lost were not their best players. Losing Gerard Reed was big. Losing Tay Crowder was big. But they replaced them with guys who were just as good, if not better. So this should be a top four defense in the nation, uh, unquestioned. They, uh, they, this year is crazy with all the COVID stuff, but – if, any, if Georgia's going to be strong anywhere across the uh, parameters of its football program, having to go into the 
second string, third string, you're still going to get lights out. And again, Kirby Smart's a defensive guy. He babies his defense. He recruits his defense. He loves his defense. It's his identity. So if there's uh, anybody that's going to get uh, preferential treatment in the recruiting room and uh, extra emphasis, it's that defense. And that's uh, he knows that if he can limit a team through, um, you know, make them have to drive 75 yards every time because you know they kick off out of bounds and they punt deep. He thinks that he can win. It won't be glorious. It won't be exciting football, but it will be successful football. And that's his, that's his MO. Well, it's Kirby, it's Nick Saban's MO. So where'd he learn? Yeah. It's, it's the MO that Jeremy Pruitt's trying to get going at Tennessee as well. So they're exactly. all, they're all from a tree that doesn't have a whole lot of books <laughs> in it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> not a lot of branches. There, <laughs> not no. a lot of branches off of that. <laughs> now, let me ask you a final question on the defense. Better at the defensive line spot, linebacker spot, or in the secondary? That, that's a uh, hard question, and that's why I, I don't want to come across as just kind of this uh, fanboy thing when I'm talking about the defensive groups. But, but I mean, but they're good. But, but, <laughs> I mean, they are. So, so, so again, so which group? And, and, well, Jeremy Pruitt said himself, he's like, "Where's the weakness?" You know, right? I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, they have a secondary with um, a five-star cornerback, a four-star cornerback, one of the fastest players in college football at cornerback. You know. Lewis Senior, Richard LeCount at uh, safety spots, you know, all SEC performer and a future all SEC performer. Uh, and Keely Ringo, number one quarterback in the nation, five-star guy. He's not even playing. So that just gives you an idea how great they are in secondary. Defensive front, Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter is going to be a monster. Jalen Carter is – we severely underrated him at Rivals, and we had him in the top 50. We should have had him at, like, number five. You know, it's like – a. He's playing as a true freshman. He's gotten out there. Jordan Davis, all-SEC performer. Malik Herring, the highest-graded player on Georgia's roster last year when, when the pro football focus thing. So your defensive front is legit. And your linebacking core, you have Aziz Ocelori, all-SEC. N'Kobe Dean, freshman all-SEC. Uh, Monty Rice, senior leader, t- t- led the team in tackles. Uh, that's not Adam Anderson, but the five-star guys. Just their outside linebackers, inside linebackers are all, you know, uh, number one JUCO player in the nation, Jermaine Johnson. I'm just saying that linebackers, front and secondary, there isn't a weakness. There isn't a way to attack them well. I'm sure that uh, Jim Chaney can find it <laughs> because he knows them too. You know, he's coached them. But uh, it's there's no obvious weakness to go after. You can't pick on the secondary. You can't uh, run it down the throat. All right, let me let's flip it back to the offense. Jamie Newman. Um, then you had JT Daniels come in. I mean, who, who had Stetson Bennett in the pool to be the starting quarterback for Georgia um, week three of this football season? Nobody. Nobody did. And here, here's the funny thing. When J.B. Newman opted out, everyone was telling me who is not close to the program. The, uh, some of the people on the, on the Georgia beat, uh, you know, the hot take artists on the beat. I'm not going to nail them, but there are a few, you know, the ones that got to get all those clicks. They're like Jamie Newman opted out because JT Daniels was beating him in practice. I'm like, oh, what? that's interesting. No, none of the people who go to practice tell me that. That's what you think. And then it uh, came down to a uh, this is JT Daniels' team because Newman's gone. I'm like, oh, okay. And then you know we started talking about Dwan Mathis and hear more about him. And it came, it, it, the narrative came down that it was a fight between a race between the two of them, and we broke the news that. Uh, uh, JT Daniels was likely not going to be cleared. You know, like, hey, they don't don't expect this guy to be cleared, and he wasn't. And so it was Dwan Mathis's uh, uh, ball game, or uh, the ball was given to him. All we ever heard about Stetson Bennett was in the first 
scrimmage, he was running with the threes. Now, Kirby Smart said that all three of his quarterbacks, JT Daniels, Dwan Mathis, and Jamie Newman, all got snaps with the number ones to see what they could do. Carson Beck, the freshman wide receiver, I mean, freshman quarterback, got uh, reps with the second string to see what he could do. But he had Stetson Bennett running with a third string because he knew what he could do. And so you start out at third string guy, but again, you know what you're getting with him. And here's the thing I'll say about Stetson Bennett. Kirby hates uncertainty. If you tell him, hey, this quarterback can't run, or this quarterback can't throw, or this quarterback can't read a defense, as long as you know what he can and can't do, you can – it's like the stock market. You you have to have it baked in. You know, It's uncertainty that drives him crazy. So if he knows what the guy's limitations are, you coach around that. With Dwan Mathis, he has a super high potential. Guy has a rocket arm, one of the five fastest players on the team, but his play is inconsistent. That drives them crazy because they're not sure what to call. Whereas if you know what Stetson Bennett's going to do, you call that. So we should have had him in the pool. He was number two last year behind Jake Fromm. But we had all these new toys that came in. You know, Dwan Mathis is clear. JT Daniels transfers in the five-star. And Jamie Newman comes in from Wake Forest. Carson Beck comes in from Jacksonville. And you're kind of like, oh, yeah, that old reliable car we have outside, that's pretty. But we're not going to drive it because, you know, we got all these new vehicles. So what is the – what it sounds like what you're telling me is this team is built the way Kirby wants this team to be built. Mostly he would he wants a lot more consistency on the offensive line. That's his – he had it last year. And, you know, Jim Chaney – I mean, uh, uh, well, Jim Chaney mentioned it and Sam Pittman did too in years past. They would talk about bully ball where you may not uh, be running for five and six yards at a time in the first quarter but by the middle of the third into the fourth, you're just leaning on a defense and just pounding them down. Kirby doesn't like to go to the air uh, as much. He's a, he's, a, he's a defensive guy. He knows that if you can just run the ball, that's ball security. He knows that ball security means uh, less opportunities for the other team to score. Uh, you control the clock. You wear them out. So that's what he would like to bid. Uh, give him a team that has a strong defense, strong uh, special teams, and an effective running game, which – Again, we saw that uh, – didn't see in the first game, but we saw in the second game, and that is what Kirby Smart wants. All right, let me uh, – we'll go out the door with these two questions. One, um, big, a couple biggest keys for Georgia to, to, to handle Tennessee at, or to win this game at home. They're obviously a heavy favorite. What's key for Georgia? Give me, give me a couple quick keys for Georgia. First and foremost, you can't – got to limit the turnovers. I know everyone always rolls their eyes when you mention that, but you've been doing it a long time. Every coach you've ever covered, the first thing you ask them, hey, coach, what do you need to do this weekend? We can't have any turnovers. You've got to win the turnover battle. It is the grease on which uh, uh, the axle goes around when it comes to college football. You know, you can't uh, have two turnovers, give the other team two more opportunities to score, deny yourself two opportunities, and hope to, hope to be successful. And they've got to stop the penalties. They could have hung – an additional uh, 10, 14 points on Auburn last week, but they had another nine. They had 12 the week before. This is a team that has been shooting itself in the foot. Every time they get something going well or any time they get a big play, uh, a lot of times it's called back. It's just – and it, they're, they're dumb penalties, you know. So uh, it, they just got to stop that too. But, again, penalties, turnovers, uh, they can play a clean game Saturday. Uh, they'll, do, they'll have a much better chance of beating Tennessee. But if you want to give uh, – Cheney and the guys over there, a couple extra possessions and uh, 
you know, stop getting first downs because you held or, uh, you know, you had a pass interference call and you extend a series for the other team, you're going to lose. All right, last question. How big is this game for recruiting from the Georgia vantage point, from your vantage point covering it? Obviously, Tennessee's in there with Nyland Green. Georgia's there with Tim, Marius Mims. To, 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 you know, it's a Tennessee-Georgia battle in a lot of ways. You got, you got Tyrion Ingram's Dawkins over in South Carolina. From, the, from your vantage point recruiting, covering Georgia, how big, of this, how big is this game in recruiting when you look at some of the head-to-head battles they have with Tennessee going right now? I think it's gigantic for this year and going into next year. Georgia is, you know, in the rivals' rankings, the back-to-back-to-back uh, recruiting number one team. A lot of kids are looking at that going, well, where am I going to play? You know, you got a lot of guys. Uh, I'm looking for a chance to get on the field early. You and I both know that uh, we hear a lot about uh, kids wanting immediate playing time. Well, and they also want to play for a Wayne program. Jeremy Pruitt is a hell of a recruiter. We saw that when he was here at Georgia. He's a monster recruiter. And now you're, you know, he's showing all sorts of success at Tennessee. Tennessee is now a much more likely option for some of these top kids. So uh, they're also saying, look, and I just a little bit more room on the depth chart for me to get in there and play. And Kirby knows how to, you know, recruit against Georgia. He recruited against Alabama when he was here. He's recruited against Clemson. You know, the, the guy's not afraid to recruiting the battle. He, he, he lives for it. So, uh, it would help Georgia a lot if they were able to beat Tennessee and say, look, we got room for you. And even though Tennessee's an up-and-comer, we're still, you know, Georgia. So that would be a big uh, p- big win on the recruiting trail for Georgia to do that. Think about that if they lose. Jeremy Poole's like, hey, do you want to go? We, we, we beat Georgia. Why are you going to go play there? You know, we're the up-and-comers. We're better than they are. And we just proved it on the field. So uh, this game will have huge repercussions in those recruiting battles of this year and going into next year. Roddy, we appreciate your time, man. Thanks for joining us on the Blue Water Climate Control VolQuest.com podcast.